As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realised it's not just the story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy to use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Page One Podcast. I'm Marco. I'm Tarek. You've just heard an advert there for the Page One Notebook, which is our writer's notebook that we created and ran a Kickstarter campaign for. And... Uh, as we record this, there are less than 24 hours to go in the campaign, and I'm pleased to say we are fully funded. Fully funded. How yes. exciting. And we've hit two stretch goals, which means people get to choose more things. There's page numbers now in the book, and we're on the verge of getting the third, which will give people the choice of a red book as well. So it's going awesome. If you're wondering what on earth we're going on about... Um, <laughs> In the, life or just... Well, yeah, if you're wondering what we're going on about in life, you're, you're in the majority. But, <laughs> um, about the notebook, uh, you can get a link in the in the um, podcast description. Uh, the, there is a store that it links to, so even if you've missed the Kickstarter campaign, you can still grab a page one notebook. But enough about that. Um, who have we got on the podcast this week, Tarek? Uh, this week we have Helen Fitzgerald. Uh, an author, she's written 13 books, I think it is. Uh, a domestic noir is the description that's kind of used for her. She's written some really good books. The one that people might know her best for is The Cry, which was adapted recently as a BBC drama. It's a great show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really good book um, and really good show as well. And we chatted to her about that, about the the adaptation and what what it's like seeing something that you've written turned into a TV show and how it must feel to hand over control of that to somebody else. Uh and we also talk about our new book, uh, Worst Case Scenario, which uh, I read and it's really good. But I won't say too much about it because we talk about it more in the podcast. Um, Helen very kindly started the podcast by talking about our notebook because she's uh, her partner is uh, Sergio Cashi, who we've had on the podcast before. So Sergio has already got a page one notebook and uh, Helen's seen it. So she was talking about that when we started recording. So uh, we'll... Just get straight into it and we'll be back at the end of the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. No, I really like that notebook. It's exactly how I plan a book with, the, you know, the sections are exactly in the right order and everything for how I would sort of go about it. Oh, fantastic. Really, Yeah, really good. I've just been using moleskins for ages and... And I can never find anything. It's all just full of scribble, really. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. I mean, I've got for my latest project, I've got um, stuff noted down in various books myself. So it's trying to find the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I suppose to start at the beginning, how how is it that you you got into writing? Well, so uh, when I met, I mean, I, I always wanted to write, and I was always, you know, writing diaries as a kid and teenager and so forth. And my mum was a literature teacher, so she was always very interested in 
language and we were always reading stories and um and she ha- would have been a writer if she hadn't had a stupid number of children I think you know so yeah. it was something that was always there and then when Serge and I met he was the same it was something that we both always thought wow wouldn't that be great and we loved doing but never felt like it would be ever possible to to be a job you know so both of us were sort of late in life coming to it but we decided that we would start writing screenplays and try and you know try and get into that because yeah. TV and film are our great loves first and foremost really. So Serge did that and, and immediately sort of got things made and was able to work full time as a writer. Um, I had We had kids and I just didn't have any any ideas for another 20 years. So <laughs> so that's what happened to that. And then um, then I wrote a, started writing screenplays when I was nine months pregnant with our, se- our second and last child, Joe. And that got interest from Scottish Screen and because of it I got – and actually I, there's a lot about who you know, I suppose, in the business and I knew Serge's screenwriting agent. Um, he liked my screenplay so he, he represented it. But I, I just didn't get anywhere with the screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of – there was quite a lot of development money going around back then so I had money coming in which was great but it became very frustrating not to see anything actually happen with the stories that, that I was writing. Sure, yeah. So, so I decided to write a book um, and it just came out really, really easily after about six or seven years of the screenwriting attempts um, and I think learning so much about story and character and, uh, you know, all of the rules. I really like all of those, you know, the sort of the rules of screenwriting really and I write in a three-act structure and I have the inciting incident at the, you know, 10% into the book and all of that stuff has definitely sort of made the process of writing the novel easier for me, I think. So I wrote the novel. It was much better than anything I'd written in screen in um, in in script form. You know, my prose was just easier. I felt it easier to do, and I got a an agent immediately through my screenwriting agent, and I got a book deal pretty much immediately um, with Faber and Faber. So it was. It was pretty easy getting the book deal, but I had put in the groundwork, I think, with the screenwriting for about seven years. Sure, yeah, and and yeah. did you and you got your agent through your screenwriting agent? Did you say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So I sent it to him and said, "Do you know anyone?" He he recommended two people, and that's how I got a uh, a literary agent. What did you do uh, before getting into writing? Um, so I've always, um, always throughout my career, been a, a social worker and. Yeah. I work in criminal justice social work in Scotland, so it's probation and parole, supervising people on um, community payback orders and things. So working with offenders, basically. So it's pretty, uh, pretty full of stories and uh, (laughs) ideas. Inspiration. Oh, just so much. You know, even just down to what's going through the courts at the time, how punishment, you know, how things are being punished, new laws like for revenge pornography, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was all sort of just about to become a law when I wrote viral. So it was always it's always just really, yeah, huge amounts of interesting stuff going on in criminal uh, justice. I've, sorry, I've just been reading Worst Case Scenario and obviously that the main character yeah, in that is very much doc. in that world, yeah. Yeah. Diary of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like what would what could have happened if I wasn't to leave, you know. Yeah. So. yeah but because I think you've, I've read somewhere that you called your novels a domestic noir type of thing, and is that is that definitely linked to your job that you had before writing? Um, domestic noir was a term that sort of. When I started writing, there wasn't a lot of the, you know, sort of girl and the train and the coach and the, um, you know, all those books. Yeah. Um, it sort of 
you know, I feel like I, I was sort of at the start of that a bit. I mean, there's always been great stories written by women like that, but it became a, a real movement, I think, where, um, you know, it was becoming more inside the house um, and a central female lead character. So as a friend, actually, Julia Crouch, who came up with the term domestic noir, which I think was really just you know, something that we could call it that was kind of, you know, yeah, we're, we're talking about relationships and family probably as much as anything else in these stories. So, um, no, it was nothing to do with my work. It was um, it was really really feels like a movement that's very entrenched now. There's a lot of books now that are um, sort of dealing with that kind of subject matter. <clears throat> Since you got that book deal, you've been very prolific in terms of the number of, of books you've got out there. I mean, yeah. uh, how... You must have quite a disciplined process, I would have thought, to get all of yeah. that done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm laughing because I'm just so undisciplined this year. <laughs> you would have no idea. I've been so lucky that I had the, the cry was green lit and I had enough money just to watch telly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, yeah, after um, when I wrote that first book, it was just I, I couldn't believe it. I was see having the tools of sort of story writing finally behind me, which I just didn't know anything about actually when I when I started trying years ago. It just flowed out of me so easily, and I really didn't know what I was doing. If I look, I, I would never read my first book again, Dead Lovely, because. <laughs> There was something like uh, I was completely reckless and I didn't like I did know the screenwriting rules and everything, but there were things like point of view, which I just went for it and went all over the place with points of view and third first person. And, you know, um, and I think it was just a real stroke of luck that it seemed to work. So, but so I was going to say that I've slowed down a lot since then. I, I wrote about eight, you know, just that ah, just vomited them out. Uh-huh. Um but also I think I've now been through the editing process so much that uh, I'm just much um, much more of a perfectionist now. I don't commit anything to paper unless I'm really sure about it. Mm-hmm. So has your writing style changed quite a bit then from when you first started? And what are yeah, your writing style now? Well, yeah, I was all uh, all over the place. It was fun. I think I was. I started off. I was writing fun books. They're entertaining, and I and somewhere along the line, I got very dark. You know, the cry and everything. Um, and I'm wanting to get back to the fun thing. Again, I think uh, that's what I'm sort of trying to do in worst case scenario. But the way that my writing's changed is I think now I, because I think I've had the TV stuff and worst case scenario and my book after that and viral are also in development for TV. Right. And just naturally thinking about scenes, I'm absolutely, someone described worst case scenario as a screenplay in prose. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how I'm writing this one as well, Australia Day, the one I'm writing now. Um, and I'm not meaning to, it just seems to be the only way I can do it at the moment. Yeah, well, it was, it, it was, I was, because obviously I'd seen The Cry on, I, I, I haven't read The Cry, but I saw the, I saw the show on TV and then I read um, Worst Case Scenario. And what struck me was that it was, it's a very humorous book, very, very dark humour, but you know, it's, yeah. it's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, and obviously that wasn't there certainly in the TV version of The Cry. No, I mean, I've, some of my people who like my books say that they really, did, you know, didn't like that about it, that, that there was a, that, that it's really hard to have humour when there's a dead kid. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Maybe should, that's a spoiler, but, you know, I thought <laughs> I wrote those 30 pages and I oh, my God, oh, there's no way I can crack a joke. This, yeah. You know, there's no way. So I actually brought in the, the ex-wife Alexandra, for some light relief, really. I mean, she obviously did a lot of other things in the um, story as well, but she was really funny in The Cry. But mm. the, in the show, it obviously wasn't really possible to show that. And I think, you know, they did an incredible job. So 
Um, I don't have any sort of complaints about that at all. Well, um, let's chat about the cry for for a few moments because obviously this is kind of the one that's quite big right now because it was all in the BBC. Um, it's still on the iPlayer, I think, at the, at the moment. And and how did that adaption come about? You know, how did you go from writing the book and, and to mm. be turned into the TV show? So I mean, it's you know, it's one of those overnight things that took twenty years in the making. I actually, <laughs> Claire Mundell, who's the uh, synchronicity, she is the um, creative director. Is that her? Yeah, I think it's a creative director of Synchronicity. She's a producer. She's amazing. Creative producer, I suppose. Anyway, I met her when I wrote my very first book at, uh, you know, one of the sort of industry parties. Again, it's terrible, but it's so much to do with networking and, you know, using the contacts that you know, as long as you've got a decent piece of work behind you. Um, But I met Claire at something just after I'd written Dead Lovely, and it was exactly what she was looking for. She's just such an energetic and creative and hardworking woman, and we just gelled immediately. So she optioned Dead Lovely, which is in 2007, um, my last confession at some point. She optioned um, The Devil's Staircase, which is my fourth book. Um, she's got viral. And so Claire's been trying to get something off the ground of mine for years and years and years. So the, the cry was another one of those. I think the coup came when she got Jacqueline Persky as the, as the screenwriter because she's just so good. And, um, that made, you know, everyone was confident with that. And it just, after, after that, it was a done deal. And it's quite a different, uh, territory. He was telling me about the book and it's quite a different structure that the TV show had from. The yeah. Book. They seem to add, I don't know if we should say a spoiler alert, but, but <laughs> was, um, there's, there's, there's something that happens halfway mm. through the show and it's a big yeah. twist and it actually happens quite near the start of the book. Yeah. It? I know. And that was my big worry because I think what my um, people who liked the book liked about it was that it was sort of playing around with the structure that that mystery bit wasn't there. there were, I still had twists in it, but I just didn't have that major twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really worried that that would make it sort of the same as every other missing baby story. Um, But I think that actually I thought it was just brilliant how they did it. I mean, people loved the guessing and the Twitter was so fun to follow when all of that was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But also in my prose, I was constantly flashing back. So I did sort of start on the plane, but I go back to their relationship. I go back to the affair. I go back to all of the stuff that's happened. So actually all of the stuff they put in those first two episodes was in the book, just in different spots. And I think, uh, I think they worked, worked it really well. Very, very clever. I mean, that was so engrossing. It yeah. was. And, and the, I think they cast it perfectly as mm-hmm. well, actually. I think yeah. it, everyone worked well in it. Oh, gosh. People hated Alistair so much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I became so. a little bit defensive. I mean, I did. <laughs> I'm like, but, but, but poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have any, any involvement in the writing process at all once you handed it over? I handed it over. I didn't want any involvement and there's no way I would have been commissioned. So you kind of got to be realistic at certain points in your career as to how beneficial you're going to be to a project getting made. Um, but I was really happy to do that and I, I didn't want to write it. Um, I find screenwriting really hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. And so I met, met with, um, Jacqueline at dinner and Claire sort of did a nice dinner for us and we chatted about it and we kind of made sure that we liked the same things about the story and that what Jacqueline had in her head and the characters she had in her head was the same. Um, and I felt just very confident and 
And also, I just never expected it to get made. <laughs> so <laughs> so if, if, if you'd had that, that, that chat with her and you'd thought, mm, I don't think she's really grabbed the essence of the characters or the story, would you have said at yeah. that point, no, um, I don't want to do it with you? No, I probably would have said, can I come to the meetings? Because Claire always offered that at the start. You know, can okay. I did, do you want to at least read the scripts and have feedback? You know, mm-hmm. uh, if that had been the case, I probably just would have wanted to, to be reading the scripts as they were done and putting some input in, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what is yeah. it like having someone else well, playing never, with your characters, if you like? Well, it's actually, I just can't get over. I came after watching the first two episodes, I rushed home because I, I don't look at my books after I've written them. But I kind of opened up. I'm thinking, did I write? Did I write that? Because <laughs> every single line she wrote felt like I'd written it. So everything Joanna said, everything Alistair said, felt, you know, even if it wasn't exactly the same or in the same place, I felt like I had written it. You know, so the essence was exactly you know, what I what I wanted and what I had in the book. I think if Jacqueline and I, you know, were given sort of scenarios, Joanna goes into a bar, you know, and she hasn't got the money but she's had half the drink, you know, we'd come up probably with the same dialogue. I think mm-hmm. we both really know the characters well and I, and that just showed so much in the show, I think. Yeah, it definitely did. It was a very tightly written. Yeah, so. yeah, and yes. I, I think I think you're right. I think I definitely thought the characters were very well cast and written yeah. having read yeah. the book. And it was interesting because the twist was moved later on in the show mm. you viewed folk like Alexandra you viewed her in a different light than you did in the book when you knew her yeah. her, her role was uncertain in, in the show for for longer, and that was interesting seeing seeing that change. Yeah, it was all those red herrings, which I was exactly. like, I'm going to trick the audience. That's just a <laughs> cheap thing to do. But you know what? People really like it, and I think I just need to be less stupid uh, commercially and stuff. <laughs> no, but it is interesting. I think it, you know, you know, for me, I, I read the book on the on a plane, um, rather aptly perhaps, and um, and the first part of it, I read the first act really on on the flight, and I couldn't believe that was that's how the first act ended, and that was that was one of the most kind of kind of arresting openings of a book I've read in ages and and that was I think because as you say normally that's the kind of thing you push way back so it was really good having that early on yeah and I really just wanted to make sure that it was about a relationship Mm -hmm. what kind of couple makes decisions like they did you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was my main focus really but yeah it was a great fun thing watching that on telly and sort of following Twitter at the same time. Fun and terrifying. <laughs> and, and you see that um, uh, viral and worst case scenario are also optioned, are they? Yeah, so viral, uh, Claire's got that. I mean, you get these things optioned and you may never hear anything yeah. again. Um, uh, and the worst case scenario, I'm not allowed to announce um, yet who, but it was a seven-way auction for that and it's gone to a studio uh, in an, in America, so <laughs> that's very exciting. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. You know, show me the money. I keep saying, yeah, <laughs> show me the money, whatever. So is um, that going to? Is it still going to be set in Glasgow then, or is it good? Well, no. If it's if they do it, it, it will be Americanized. Right. So okay. it's kind of like, oh, that's a shame because it's kind of an um, south side of Glasgow, and I really enjoyed writing about the south side in this book. Um, it's where I'm from, and I love it here. So it's a real bummer, but. Anyway, yeah, well, I, that 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 struck a real chord with mm. with me when I was reading it. Obviously, I suppose it does with any book that you know the places and you know the you know it it it, it draws you in that little, that little bit more if you yeah. if you know all of that. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you ever uh, go back to trying to write screenplays, or are you just out of that? No. So what's happened now is because of the cry, I guess, and I think also because worst case scenario really did read quite screenplay. And, you know, just absolutely 
people, uh, people could just immediately see it, you know, on the screen. Uh, I think I got a lot of interest from that. So I'm actually um, working with Claire. My next book is called Australia Day, and it's a um, it's a disaster story, a bushfire story right. set in Australia. Um, and I'm also sort of at the same time as writing the book, which has been a bit of a you know, ooh, it's a bit, a bit difficult. I'm writing. I've just written a treatment for a TV series for that, um, and I'm writing the book at the same time. So Claire's kind of, you know, giving me a shot at it. Uh, in terms of that other one, I've, I've got contracts now for that one, and um, and another one, concept that I've sold to another um, a company in Australia, Easy Tiger. So I've got a lot of yeah. I'm dipping my dipping myself back in, and it's really really fun but it's hard i do find it harder mm. writing screenplays than than books you can just blab stuff out and if you've forgotten to put something in you can just oh, i'll do a wee flashback put it in here you know <laughs> and so, actually in, in screenplays as well um in in prose it's it can be easier to get to know the characters i think because you're spending yeah. so much time with them whereas in screenplays it it is it can be difficult to to give the audience that quick view of what that character is. is I think it's yeah. a real skill when you're able to do that yeah, on the page. Yeah, I think that's why, so, you know, adaptations are such a big thing. But, um, yeah, so we'll see. We shall see. Yeah, but trying to write these uh, screenplays, it's just uh, I found more and more that I'm writing more and more dialogue in my pro in my um, books now. So I'm hoping that I'm just going to get good at it by accident. <laughs> So, so you're, you're writing your, your book right now. And what is your, how do you write your books? How do you draft and redraft? You know, how, how does that work for you? Um, so, you know, it's usually the idea. There's one idea maybe that I've had for years and years. And, you know, if you realize something is staying with you for a long time, then that's something that I'll pick. But I notice in your wonderful notebook that, you know, the sections you have is pretty much what I, you know, Rarely is the crime, I would have another section for the crime story bit, actually, because to me that's just a separate thing I chuck into the, the drama. Um, but I would normally start with an incident. I mean, so, for example, I was really thinking about, you know, the bushfires in Australia and disasters and how, you know, they're happening more and more often and small, how ill-prepared small towns are to cope with them. So that that's the first sort of step in that and then I'll need to, you know, who my characters are and I'm always really, I always really try to get an interesting family dynamic. Um, basically. So every single one of my stories I try and make it a, the family a bit unusual in some way, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the biographies to me, um, more and more as I write, um, as I as I write more and more, biographies, if I haven't done those really, really thoroughly, before anything, then there's there's no point. Uh, it's not going to work. And also that once I'm writing those biographies for the um, characters, everything else just comes out of it, like the the plot and the crime story, you know. Um, so the bi- biographies, I'd say, would be my main sort of um, – I would spend the longest time on. And I think once I've got those people, um, everything else just comes, you know. And do you, do you need to have the, the, you know, all of the beats of the story – set out no. in your head before you start or or not probably yeah more and more and more again more and more i'm maybe becoming more screenwritery because originally that's not what that's what i didn't like about screenwriting was all of the planning that you do writing treatments i hate that <laughs> so boring and who wants whoever wants to read a treatment um but yeah so I've, so i'm just going to say menopause now because i've forgotten your story <laughs> <laughs> and 
And it's interesting because so you, you, you say you start from a character point of view first. So do you start with them before you even know what the crime is or what the story is going to be? Do you, do you have these people when you throw them into a situation? Yeah, so say for the cry, I would have started with this couple who had an affair. Um, that was my main interest that, you know, what effect did that have? What sort of relationship were they going to have after that happened? You know, where did that leave the other woman? How did this guy end up with two pretty similar women and have such an enormous impact on them? You know, mm-hmm. so, um, then, you know, I can't remember when the, when the, um, rest of it came, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it varies every time too, but God, it's a tortuous process. And the thing is, you realize, you think I've got it all. I've, you know, I've pretty much nailed this. I think it's all in my head, the beats of the story. And then you realize that you just haven't done at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're completely not anywhere near where you think you were. Um, I'm finding it more and more sort of tortuous and a bit like, um, going through therapy every time I write something. <laughs> and so do you, do you sort of, bash through the first draft, leave it for a while and come back to it? Or do you sort of revise as you go? It's really changed. So I used to bash out a first draft, saying that when bashing out a first draft, and with the first, probably the first 10 books, this was the case. I would write a first draft in three months, although I would always read from the start every day. And apparently I'm supposed to do that, but I just had to do that to get into the story again every day. Um, So I was constantly editing. Um, Yeah. But now I spend so little time. So I used to be all about sitting at the desk, writing my thousand to two thousand words a day, and that was all that mattered. Just get the words out. Just get the words out. And uh, you know, there are friends who are doing sprints online, and you would support each other doing an hour sprint. I can't do that anymore. So it doesn't make any sense for me. I walk around from room to room for about three days, trying to get a scene in my head, just one scene. Yeah. And there's always about a list of 20 things that I want that scene to achieve. And the actual writing down on the computer will probably take about 10 minutes, but it might have taken me a week of walking around looking like, you know, a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, watching RuPaul was Serge's. (laughs) seemed to be Serge's solution. (laughs) I'm really into below deck now. I think I'm watching (laughs) really, really trashy uh, reality TV. All this really heavy stuff. I think that's what you you need some relief afterwards. Yeah, I think that's right. It is interesting because I think so much of the writing process does happen in your head. And I've definitely found that sitting down and trying to write sometimes trying to force words out isn't really working. It's because there's a problem in in the plot or the character that, and you, you do need yeah. to work through it in your head before you can write it. Yeah, I used to just work through it in, on the page and, you know, I really want to apologise to readers. Of my early books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely really, really changed how I write. And um, will you, once you've got a draft that you're, happy with do you do you show it to anyone for feedback before you then try and do another draft or anything like yeah, that yeah i always show it to quite a few people so worst case scenario my husband you know he really i was really not feeling well while i was writing that and he really helped me reading out loud as we went along you know and i'm like oh yeah that does sound okay oh, okay it's worth going on you know and I yeah. so serge always reads you know all the time we do that for each other um, and uh, I also showed uh, a young friend of my um, daughter's who's a literature student and because uh, I wanted a sort of young a young uh, feminist uh, to read and see what her perspective on it was. I showed it to an older friend. I showed it to the friends who, whose opinions would really scare me if they didn't like, you know, if I'd written something that offended them or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I've really bombarded a lot of people with it and I always do. And then when I feel okay, 
that's uh, that's all right. I'll send it off to my agent. Well, that's quite interesting because how do you know, you know, you hand it over to people and they give you some feedback and do you pick and choose what stuff to listen to and what stuff to ignore? Um, I'm really uh, into, I like having criticism and as long as I always make sure the people I give it to are people whose opinions, you know, really really uh matter to me and who, who i believe and who i who will tell me the truth so you know so lisa o'donnell is a friend of mine she's a great writer and she's brutal she's really <laughs> absolutely and really helpful she went through it with me so many times and gave me so many great notes and things um you know i was talking about that younger woman robin she wrote me a reader's report i asked her to because i was really scared about this book i just thought i didn't really know if it was any good or not you know um so, I, yeah, I don't see any point in giving it to people who, you know, just to read. You know, if it's someone who genuinely wants to, um, is interested in, you know, and I feel will help, then I'm all over it. It's so good. And how do you know, how do you get to that stage where you you know something is finished? Because one of the things that I do, and I know it's a, <laughs> it's, I know it's a terrible, I, yeah. I can't, I can constantly find something to redraft or refix or you know and often it'll probably be damaging what's already there really so <laughs> yeah. how, how do you how do you get to that stage where you say no that's it i'm passing this one on now it's ready um, to go that's uh it's interesting for me it's definitely i just oh i've stopped thinking about it it's like after a year of having these this whole other universe in your head that you're constantly walking around as, as well as your own it's like oh the ideas have stopped coming you know because i'll have you'll have months of saying, all right, if I put that there and if she does this, if I just change that and how many days is that, you know, and those questions, when those stop, um, then I think, radio, I've got no more to give. <laughs> so yeah. send it off. Yeah, it's really scary every time though. And you, and you mentioned at, at the start that, you've, that you're a big fan of writing rules. And do you use these a lot when you're writing and what examples have you got that you could share? Um, so let me think. Well, I guess I always think in a three act structure mm-hmm. and the inciting it. I always have something that happening pretty much straight away that sort of ticks things over. Um, I, I, one of my favorite things is one of the things that's most important to me, which a, a lot of books really disappoint me. I feel like you'll get this great writing, especially in crime books for about half of the book. And then just all this exposition and, and a terrible ending. And it seems like endings don't matter very much. That you know, as long as the first half, that'll sell, you know. Um, so for me, it's getting the ending right. Uh, it's one of my major. And I don't, I don't even want to start writing a book unless I've worked out the ending. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what your question was, but... Um... <laughs> no, no, that's... Because, that's, that's, you know, folk always say you should write what you know and all that kind of stuff. And I think from the people we've talked to so far, everyone seems to say, yeah, you know, certain rules are worth following, but you need to know when to break them and stuff like that. And I think that's some... Yeah, that's, that's yeah. And I'm really into breaking them. And I think that <laughs> knowing them is really important uh, first, yeah. <laughs> uh, and have you ever... I mean, all your books are, um, you know, sort of contained stories. And it probably links back to what you are saying about you just stop thinking about that universe and you know it's done. I mean, there's there's no – are there any stories that you'd want to revisit or see what's happened to these characters? No. Um, well, maybe worst-case scenario, I think I could mm-hmm. probably write Mary Forever and I feel like – I tried really hard at this because I had the TV thing in my head as well, um, that I wanted to make sure there was a story engine that would just could just keep on going, you know. Um, I – 
I don't generally do it and I never have except I wrote Dead Lovely and then I tried uh, and everybody was very excited about the book so I was convinced to drop the book I was doing and to write a sort of sequel and I did called My Last Confession Mm -hmm. and I really didn't like that book. That's my least favourite book. I felt like I couldn't put uh, the character through the mill again and I love putting the character (laughs) through just the most terrible, terrible situations you can. Um, So I've never wanted to do that again. But with worst case scenario, I, I genuinely feel I could pick up another two or three characters and, you know, do book after book. Um, yeah. using those with maybe Mary, just, I think I'd have two, at least two points of view if I did it. So, you know, Mary would be sort of half. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe worst case scenario again, if someone shows me the money. <laughs> Um, and obviously, you've 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 written a lot of books, thirteen books in twelve years, I think it is. You've 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 done or so, and especially at the start, you kind of wrote, you know, I think you wrote three in one year or three books in one year came out anyway. Uh, yeah. In back in '09, and and how do you fit? How do you find the time really to write these, yeah. these number of books and you know and um, with a life and family and stuff? I'm trying to remember what I was doing. What was I doing? <laughs> I was sitting opposite. How? I think I had a seriously lengthy manic episode <laughs> and I'm paying for it now. Like, seriously. Because like, I don't know how I did that. Um, I mean, my books are pretty short. They're 60,000 words. A lot of my friends are writing 100,000. To me, that's like, you know, they're writing two books a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does come pretty easily, usually. Um, and I think after you've done, after I'd done three, I felt like, oh, I know I can do this again now. So that you, you know, you can once you know you can do it, it takes a lot of the fear away. I think. Yeah, I mean, is that is that something that you that you went through at, at the start? Then that kind of doubt. I think a lot of writers go through of getting halfway through a draft and thinking, oh, this is just absolute crap, and then you know having to oh, push just, through that. I go through that every day, and all my <laughs> colleagues do in a crime writing world as well. It's uh, so weird that something can read as pure genius at night, and then you read it the next day and think, oh. My God. <laughs> What the hell is that? I uh, wrote a half a book last year, the year before last, when I, um, and I dumped it. I got rid of the whole thing um, and wrote Worst Case Scenario. Um, and I think that's because I was at le- I'd left work, so I thought I can write this now because you know I'm not in the job. Ah. So, and it, when you when you throw something away like that, is it is it thrown away or is it just in a drawer somewhere that you might one day try and revisit that? I've already sort of, there's a couple of little snippets of scenarios I had that it maybe instead of being a, you know, a third of a book are now like a third of a paragraph, you know? Yeah. So I think I got carried away with uh, concepts in that, in that one I'm talking about and it just didn't have the characters or anything interesting about it. So I'm really glad I dumped it. I did the right thing. Um, yeah, but no, I don't think I'll ever show that to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what's the next thing that we'll see? I know you've you've mentioned a few projects that that you're doing right now, but what what's the next thing you've got coming out? Um, so, worst case scenario is coming out in paperback on the 16th of May, and Australia Day, which I'm still writing, is out next. Uh, I don't know what month next year, but in 2020. So, um, based, my main thing at the moment is getting that book finished. Okay, and so, so is it? Do they lock you down to a date as you're writing it? Does you know they say it has to be done by this date, and it's and that's it? Well, it's a bit kind of weird at the moment because I'm doing the screenwriting thing at the same time, so they're more they're more uh, they're wanting the book <laughs> more than my publisher is at the moment so um i'm just trying to get it done as uh, as fast as i can yeah and is that a kind of uh the girl with all the gifts type situation where you're writing the book and the screenplay at the yeah same time? Well, I, 
I did a treatment and now I've sort of handed that in, but when, I know I want to get part one of the book so that we can, because I, I didn't, uh, I didn't surprise myself in the treatment. Some of the stuff that happens when you're writing, some of the best things that have come out, you know, have happened by surprise along mm-hmm. the way. And I, yeah. writing a treatment seems to just deaden that part of my imagination. Um, so I'm now writing the book so that we can then revisit the treatment and, and, you know, ramp it up a bit. And uh, we were, we were speaking to someone else actually that, had a similar process. Uh, yeah, Tara was just saying that uh, it was a guy, Mike Carey, who wrote The Girl with All the Gifts, the film and the book at the same time. And what yeah. he said is because they've got kind of different gestation periods. So he, he sort of wrote the book, but then the film and he wrote the screenplay, but the film was, it you know, it took however long, 18 months before it actually they started shooting it and stuff. So that's the story still kind of bubbled away. And as yeah. a result, the film kind of changed a little bit in certain parts. And he actually liked what he did at the end of the film better than what he'd done in the book in the oh, end of the day. that's interesting, yeah. I'm, I'm finding the process of doing the two at the same time a little bit difficult. And I think um, Luke Jennings, who's doing uh, The Killing Eve, he's writing a um, – he's doing the same, I think, kind of all working with the TV people at the same time mm-hmm. as writing um, a book and – it's kind of an interesting new way that people are working uh, in TV, actually, where they're asking, I think Leanne Mor- Moriarty as well, HBO asked her to write a novella so that they could do a sequel to Big Little Lies based on that. Uh-huh. So I'd love to do that. If I could just do novellas for TV companies, that'd be great. <laughs> well, as you say, it seems to be something that's starting to happen more and yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's recognising, it's nice that, you know, producers are recognising that the uh, what the creative thing happens when you write a book on your own in an attic and, you know, with no one telling you, you know, this is wrong, no, you can't, we haven't got the budget for that, no, you know. It's, um, it really does, uh, the freedom of it is, I'm noticing more and more how important it is, um, yeah. you know, trying to do these two things at the same time, yeah. And I'm, I'm just hoping I can then insert some of the magic in, back into the, Screenplay. Because I suppose that's right. When you write a screenplay, you do have to keep the real world aspect of, you know, how much would it cost to film? I've got a reverend, there's a great scene in zero G gravity, but the reality is that'll never happen because it could have cost you much. So, you know, and does that stop you from writing stuff? Yeah, and also the early, there's a lot of meetings. It's very much, you know, collaborative, obviously. So, you know, very early on, people are saying things that, you know, don't do this, don't, or, you know, how about this, how about that? And I think I'm learning to be, um, sort of more confident but at the start of the process I'm never confident so you know you can go anywhere so I feel like I maybe get a little easily swayed you know mm-hmm. I can sometimes go off on the wrong route when it's very collaborative and I prefer just to be on my own working out you know, what works and what doesn't work well uh, we, we like to um, end each a podcast with some quick fire questions so it's a sort of one or the other type scenario but feel free to expand on on any <laughs> of these um but i'm going to start with one that i asked uh-huh. sergio because it'll be interesting the answer we get and <laughs> um, okay. uh, I, I got to ask this because i'm also italian so i get mm-hmm. uh, pizza or pasta <laughs> oh pasta pasta oh, yeah. yeah he was, I mean, he was I'm, sort of half and half he said 
Was he? Oh, well, he great. said pasta, but he would sometimes have pizza with it. Or <laughs> oh, that would be the ideal situation. But Desert Island, if I had to choose, definitely pasta. I could eat that every every meal easily. <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's uh, why I married Serge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvel or DC? They're comics, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a girl, aren't I? I idea. No idea. Fair enough. A uh, real book or ebook? A uh, real book, yeah. I've tried to get into ebooks, so I just can't. And I know it all makes sense, but no, I love a real book. I love, I love it just having them on my shelves, if not, re- if I'm not reading them. Uh, TV or cinema? Um, TV, cinemas are um, mostly really uncomfortable now, and. Our lounge is really comfortable, <laughs> and you can eat whatever you want. And get the toilet. We're getting very old. Yeah, it's TV. interesting that, 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 that more people than I thought would vote for TV. I, I would have thought yeah. I, I would have thought the cinema would be the best, but no. Well, I think ten years ago it would be, but TV is so exciting right now. I mean, yeah, it's that's true. So, it is. Oh, so many great things coming out, and they're all really a lot of a lot of bold stuff. And I think television is amazing at the moment. Fleabag or Killing Eve. Ah, Fleabag. So I really loved both. I adored both. But Fleabag, I think, is probably the best thing I've seen in years. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah so, I just finished watching yeah. series two. I think we watched it in one day, just blasted through. And it was just, yeah, as you say, some of the best things I've, I've watched. In TV Absolutely series. glorious, yeah. glorious writing. I just love it. Yeah, really good. I mean, related to everything in it. You know, it was like so, it was so nice for women, actually, I think, just to have that uh, – that character out there was fantastic. I think Luke Jennings called she called her a reckless writer. She says, you know, and I just love that recklessness about her writing. She's yeah. amazing. And uh, last one, um, a fancy restaurant or takeaway? Oh, takeaway. Fancy restaurants. There's, there's never any music. The lighting's always bad. <laughs> so you're sitting at the table's too big, so you can't really hear each other and everyone can hear you if you do. <laughs> No, and also stupid portions of things, don't you? Stupid little portions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> touched an awful lot, you know, putting those little twigs and stuff. <laughs> and and of course, the takeaway you can you can mix with the TV, and you can just have two. Exactly, of the best that's pretty much what we do every night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a great chat. Um, really nice chat with Helen. Really enjoyed that, um, especially the part about the cry, I have to say. That was I found it quite fascinating chatting about the differences between a, a book and a, a TV show. And, and Yeah, I mean, they completely... I mean, I, as I said in the thing, I, I've not read the book, but you have, and mm. you've seen the show as well. Yeah, yeah. And they, they seem to have restructured it quite a lot to put in... To effectively turn something that's at the start of the book into a twist. Yeah. Don't want to spoil anything. No, here. but it, yeah, it, it really changes the feel of it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's, although it sounds completely different and yet at the same time, it sounds like it kept the essence of everything that was in the book as Absolutely, well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, at, at its heart, it's the same story with the same mm-hmm. folk involved. It's just the nature of the tale is, is slightly slanted. Yeah. And as Helen was saying, it's the characters really that are the main things in her story. Absolutely. Um, and that doesn't change. The, mm-hmm. the essence of that doesn't change. I mean, uh, I mean, in some ways, it's almost the opposite way that I write anyway, which is going for the character first. And, then, you know, she had the characters before she even had the baby, mm-hmm. which is, I would have thought, would be the other way around completely. Mm-hmm. The baby is the inciting incident, but that's that, that was kind of incidental to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a very interesting mm-hmm. method. Yeah, and I can also highly recommend her latest book, Worst Case Scenario. As I as a, um, said to Helen, it's... 
a very funny book, but it's not the sort of book you would think would be very funny <laughs> about uh, a criminal justice uh, social worker and um, suicide and stuff like that. It doesn't sound Sounds like, like a best. comedy, Mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, it, it's really funny and amazing that it's been optioned to America. That'll be very exciting. Yeah. I, I quite look forward to seeing that and also to seeing the changes they make again in that one. Yeah, especially because it's an American setting, presumably. That, that yeah. Potentially it, even more of a change in the crowd. Yeah. It will be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, who have we got on next week? Next week, we have Mark Billingham, a crime writer who's done close to 20 books. Is his 20th book coming out soon? I think so, yeah. I think that's right, next year. Um, but yeah, he's he's best-selling, top of all the best-seller lists, um, crime novelist. Uh, also used to be an actor, comedian, He's in a band. He's a man of many <laughs> talents. Uh, hosts a podcast as well. But, Absolutely. Um, it's all the best people do. Stab in the Dark is his podcast, which is a really good one. He speaks to crime authors on that one. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a really good chat with Mark. So tune in for that. It's another good one. And as always, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can send us a tweet to at right underscore gear or an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk. And as always, thanks to Simon Stokes for his production assistance. And we'll leave you with a final message for page one, the writer's notebook. And don't forget, even though the campaign's finished, you can still grab a page one. Uh, there's an online store. The link is in the description of, in the podcast. Yeah, so please do check it out. We hope you like it. And uh, before we go, a couple of things. If you could rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts, I think they're the only ones that do a rating, but... Um, if you could leave us a rating, that would be really helpful because it pushes up the charts, unless you're giving us one star, in which case, please don't leave us a rating. And uh, it would also be really great if you could uh, give us a vote in the British Podcast Awards. Uh, and they've got a website, britishpodcastawards.com. There's a Listener's Choice Award where you can just type in the Page One Podcast. If you type in the full the Page One Podcast, we'll pop up. You can put a vote for us. And that would be awesome if you could do that give us a bit more exposure. So the more exposure we have, the higher we are in the rankings, the better the people we can get on the podcast and the more of these that we can record for you. Fantastic. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. See ya. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is... Right. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. 
It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. We've created three editions of Page One, Standard, Premium and Exclusive Kickstarter Edition. Each one is designed for one project. Whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story, we truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one.